You are listening to the sermon audio of New Hope Community Church in Canaan, New Hampshire. For more information, visit our website at newhopecommunity.net. Have you ever read a text or an email too quickly? And then you find later when you're rereading it, you're sort of like, oh, I didn't see that in there the first time. Or I overlooked that. And the reality is there are times that we read stuff way too fast and we miss important details. And I think there's a tendency to do that, especially when it comes to scripture, but in particular when it comes to some of the New Testament letters. In other words, when you think of different letters like Ephesians, um, they begin with a very short introduction. Person might indicate who's writing it, who it's going to. And then you get to the end, and there's often some greetings, some final instructions. But I think we often tend to speed read through those parts. It's sort of like we're thinking, yeah, I know it's there, but it's not really that important. The good stuff comes in between the beginning and the end. So I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 6. And we've been going through the entire letter of Ephesians. Uh, And it would have been tempting to end the series last Sunday. Because if you think about it, we we were talking about the spiritual armor of God and it was kind of ending with the importance of prayer and how prayer is integral to that armor being put on and being effective. And then you look at your Bible and you kind of notice verses 21 through 24 simply says final greetings. But if all scripture is God breathed and all scripture is given for our instruction and encouragement, That means that even in these final greetings, that is just as important and is of much weight as everything that's preceded it. And so it's worthy of us to stop and say, what does God want us to know from this final greetings that he gives? And I hope to demonstrate that what I believe God wants us to know is to stand firm in the faith requires not just that you put on the armor of God and put it on in prayer, but to stand firm in the faith requires strong Christian fellowship. That that is integral to what Paul wants these churches and wants us to know. So if you're in Ephesians chapter 6, you'll notice the verse begins with the mention of Tychicus. Now, Tychicus is probably not a household name to you or me. Uh, It was not an unusual name in the first century. But what is striking is a couple of details about Tychicus. And and I want to just remind you first, Tychicus is explicitly, like directly mentioned by Paul in at least four of his letters. There's a possibility he's alluded to in a couple other places, But specifically, Paul references Tychicus in four of his letters. We can assume that at least there's three letters that Tychicus delivered on behalf of Paul. And that's Ephesians, Colossians, and Philemon, which are all written in a relatively close time period. And he may have been involved even in the delivery of two more letters. And then one final fact just related to Tychicus is on two different occasions, Tychicus is going to be brought in to relieve Paul and Timothy of their apostolic duties. 
In other words, like they've helped plant the church, they've gotten it functioning, and then Paul will say, we're, we're, we need to leave, but we're bringing in Tychicus. Tychicus the man. Paul doesn't call him that, but I'll refer to him that way. Uh, so what is it about Tychicus that is helpful for us to know? Well, what I want to show from both Ephesians 6 and then the little bit we see in Colossians 4 is that we're going to learn about the value of Christian fellowship, the character of Christian fellowship, and then the improvement of Christian fellowship. So the value of it, the character of it, and then what do we mean by the improvement of it? So let's start with simply the value of Christian fellowship. Remember, Paul's writing Ephesians from prison. So even though he does at times have the liberty of having people come in and visit him, it is clear that his desire to be with other Christians is restricted. And that may explain why he is so aware of the need for Christian fellowship, because he's not able to have that like he would desire it. And so you notice in this, he's going to send Tychicus, but he's not just sending him as a letter carrier, which is an important task, but he's sending him with a specific mission, a mission that highlights the value of Christian fellowship. And so look with me at verse 21 and 22. Tychicus, the dear brother and faithful servant in the Lord, will tell you everything so that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. I am sending him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that we may encourage you. So here's his marching orders. Notice the first one. He, I'm sending him to tell you everything. I, I want Tychicus to fill you in on, on just how I'm doing. Now, you might say, well, didn't Paul write a letter to kind of tell them how he's doing? Yes, but what's the difference between someone who sat down with Paul and spent time with Paul and then personally going and saying, I, I can verify. Here, here's what Paul told me. I can tell you what he looks like. I can tell you what his spirit seemed to be, his attitude was. In other words, he's sending Tychicus with an undercurring theme of, I understand the value of Christian fellowship because you're concerned about me and I'm concerned about you. So Tychicus will come and he's going to report to you. He's going to declare to you. This is almost like a, a press conference. He's, he's going to come and he'll tell you everything you need to know. And you can ask him anything you need to know. Because Tychicus is a transparent servant. He's coming to share with you. And we can think in that sharing there are going to be praises, like Paul's doing well. Uh, he's trusting in God. He's writing letters. He's using this time. You know, I've got other letters to deliver. But we can assume he's also going to say, you know, Paul needs our prayers. Um, you know, here's what's going on. Here's the burden that Paul feels about other churches and other believers. But there's another aspect to his mission that highlights the value of Christian fellowship. You notice as well in verse 22, it says, I'm sending him to you for this very purpose, this intent. And that is that you may know how we are and that he may encourage you. 
Now, there's something about the importance of one who delivers a letter that we, we often fail to take into account. In ancient times, the one who delivered the letter was very important for authentication. In other words, he could verify this letter was coming from this person. So he would be able to verify this is legitimate. This is Paul's writing. I was there. And, and we don't know if even he played a role as being like a scribe or, or writing some of the letter as Paul dictated it. But, but he could authenticate who the letter is coming from. The other important task of one who delivered a letter is to fill in the blanks. So in other words, there's questions that might come up. There's, there's other information that someone might think of and say, well, well how's, you know, how did Paul look to you? What do you think Paul meant by this? Uh, given the fact that the trip that Tychicus would have made would have required months of travel, many would argue that over the course of that time, he would have probably committed the letter to memory. And, and just imagine him arriving and just sharing this, saying, here's what Paul has to say to you. And, and just speaking it, that he had so taken that message in. What, what a picture it is to us, though, of, of the importance of Christian fellowship here. Paul says, I'm, I'm sending him not just to give you some report. I'm not sending him merely so you would feel sorry for me. Uh, I want you to know what God is doing. I want you to know how I am doing as a servant. I want you to know the needs of the church in Ephesus and in other areas where this letter is hopefully going to be circulated. But then as we read in verse 22, I want to encourage you. Uh, literally, I, I want to come alongside of you. And yet, in an odd sense, Paul knows physically he can't do that at this point. But Tychicus can. And so I want Tychicus to come and comfort you, strengthen you come alongside of you. With, with that thought in mind, turn to the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 10, and a verse that often comes up when we talk about the value of Christian fellowship. Uh, and again, I think it's very evident as we're using this term fellowship, you could use Christian friendship, that we're not just speaking of being in the same place as everyone else. Because I think we all know you can be in the same place, even with other Christians, and not feel connected. So Paul's talking about more than just, I want you to get everybody together in the same location. But, but this goes beyond just the location. It's, it's an empathy. It's a Christ-like love and concern that, that moves to action. So you look at Hebrews chapter 10. Uh, and the author of Hebrews, which some have said is Paul, others say it could be Apollos, we really do not know. But one thing we are certain of, that the believers were struggling. And one of the reasons this letter was written was to encourage them. Uh, so you get to Hebrews 10 and verses 24 and 25. And the writer has this to say about the value of Christian fellowship. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more 
as you see the day approaching. And you want to key in on a couple of words there. One is simply let us consider. This means reason. Th think about this. L look at what scripture teaches about fellowship and Christians coming together. Does, does scripture seem to say this is a necessity? Not, not just a privilege, it's nice when it works out, but it's a necessity. And this is why I think it's worthy to study just this final greeting because that is a key teaching Paul wants us to understand. As much as we talk about the armor of God and the importance of prayer, to stand firm in the faith calls for Christian fellowship, strong Christian fellowship. But then you notice he goes on, you know, let us consider, let us stop and think, reason about this. What will spur one another on towards love and good deeds? The word spur there in some translations appropriately is rendered provoke, um, to, to prod, uh, to stick, to get moving. Now we're let into an aspect of Christian fellowship that we sometimes don't enjoy at the moment, but we desperately need. We need to be convicted at times through other Christians as we hear them speak of what God's doing in their life, as they share their enthusiasm and love for the Lord. Maybe you're sitting there and you're like, yeah, I don't, when was the last time I felt like that? You know, where you're convicted and you're like, what's, what's missing here from, from my walk? with Christ. He's saying if we're going to continue to grow in Christ, we need that Christian fellowship. We may not always want it. We may at times try to push it away, but it's what's necessary to spur us on. But then you notice the next part, and uh, after that, let us not give up meeting together. Again, some translations put it a little differently. Let us not neglect. It is easy to neglect Christian fellowship. We all are busy. We, we all, time is a commodity that we all value. And yet, this is saying to us, God's word, that you need to watch and guard that tendency to let this part of your Christian life slip. And you could look at the letter of Ephesians and say, well, didn't Paul have an excuse? I mean, he's in prison. But even Paul in prison is saying, I need Christian fellowship. I need Tychicus to come and be with me. I need other believers who can make the trip and spend time with me. And I need them to know to go tell their churches how important Christian fellowship is. The danger would be, because this is at the end of Ephesians, that we tend to speed through it. Like, oh, yeah, we know Paul's going to say goodbye to everyone and hopes to see them soon. But he's saying more than that. He's talking about the value of Christian fellowship. But notice with saying that, let's go back to Ephesians chapter 6. And now we turn our attention to the character of Christian fellowship. What, what does Christian fellowship look like? Uh, and for many Christians today, the first thing they think of fellowship is coffee after the service, donuts. I love donuts. That's great. And food is a thing that kind of pulls people together. But if that's your only definition of Christian fellowship, 
you can get that by going to a local restaurant or diner. You can run into Dunkin' Donuts and you can get that. So clearly the Bible means more than that when it speaks of Christian fellowship. We're, we're talking about a, a partnership, an identification together that's all based in Jesus Christ. And because of that, Paul will talk a little bit here about what does the character of Christian fellowship look like? Because there's no doubt when you're reading this final greeting that Paul and countless believers profited from Tychicus's service. Like the fact that Paul would mention him in four of his letters says that this relationship that Paul has with Tychicus is, is a tremendous blessing to him. And the fact that Tychicus has a church that he belongs to and is a part of also indicates there are those that are benefiting from their fellowship with Tychicus and vice versa. So let's take a closer look at Ephesians 6 and again verse 21. Because in verse 21, Paul gives us two descriptive terms for Tychicus. Uh, isn't it interesting that in, in reference to this, we have no description physically of what he looked like? Because that's not really the point. And perhaps Tychicus may have, and I'm speculating here, may have just had nothing really physically about him that would have like drawn you to him or been like, oh, this guy is, is someone else. But it's his character. It's, it's his walk with Christ that, that Paul zeroes in on. And notice the first one, Tychicus, the dear brother, the one who is much loved, loved by Paul, loved by those who were waiting for Tychicus to return to them. In other words, just because Tychicus was not present with them did not mean that fellowship was any less. In fact, again, you could argue it was increased. They, they couldn't wait to see and hear from Tychicus. And as we've been learning in, the, in PBF, you know, this term dear or beloved brother is significant. Remember what we said about the ancient culture, Mediterranean world, blood is everything. Blood trumps any relationship. Now you're talking about in Christ, Paul's not blood related to Tychicus, but spiritually they are in a bond that is deeper than that. And so he does not hesitate to refer to him, this is our dear brother, familial language. And again, we often miss the message that would send back. But then notice his second description. And faithful servant in the Lord. This guy is, is trustworthy. And Paul depended on him. The effectiveness of his ministry, the strength of Paul's own walk with the Lord was positively impacted by Tychicus and, and many others, as you look through some of Paul's final greetings that he has in his letters. But in point here would be, Tychicus is a guy who is a reliable, trustworthy laborer. He will carry out God's work. And Paul's not referring to him as, well, he's just kind of a, you know, a, a go-do-it person. I just tell him and he'll do it. But he's saying, th this guy, he's true to his word. He, he lives out his Christian fellowship 
and it's value because look at how he serves you. And look at how he has served me. Again, think for a moment, Tychicus is not getting paid for visiting Paul. This is not part of his salary. Paul's not paying him by the hour to be his personal assistant. What's motivated him to, to risk going to Paul, to spending time with Paul? And we can assume away from his church, away even maybe from his family, his Christian fellowship. It's his love for Paul and ultimately his love for the Lord. But I want you to look at Colossians. Colossians chapter 4, which we read earlier, because Ephesians, Philippians, or excuse me, Ephesians, Colossians, and Philemon are all written about the same time. We know absolutely Tychicus is the one who's going to deliver these letters. But when you get to Colossians 4, Paul adds something to just how he describes Tychicus. And so you notice here you have not just two terms, but three. So in Colossians 4, verse 7, again, the purpose, Tychicus will tell you all the news about me. First one, he is a dear brother. He is one who is loved deeply, much loved. So we heard that in Ephesians. But then he says he is a fellow minister. Now this seems to accentuate not just is he trustworthy, and not just is he another believer, uh, but he is a faithful minister. And, and that's the root from which we get the word deacon, which could imply he has a position of leadership in the church, perhaps a teacher. Clearly, he is a devoted servant of God. And then Paul adds a term which he will often use of himself, He's a fellow servant in the Lord. That, that he sees Christian fellowship, Christian service like I do, he would call himself a slave of Christ. That, that his will is consumed in the will of another. What a way to describe a guy who we know nothing about how he looked physically. We have no book that he wrote that is a part of scripture. We have no indication that he ever wrote or published any books. But what a tribute to Christian fellowship in the heart of this man that Paul describes him in these terms. I mean, don't you start to get the feeling that, that Paul is even impressed with this man, with his love for Christ? And it's not because he's anything special beyond other believers. It's just because this truth has grabbed hold of his soul. But since you're in Colossians 4, notice what verse 9 also says. He is coming with Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother who is one of you. They will tell you everything that is happening here. And so a few weeks ago, you heard as Tony preached on Philemon, Onesimus, this runaway slave who now is returning as a brother in Christ, he's part of this little journey. Can you imagine the conversations that must have taken place between Tychicus and Onesimus? 
This is about Christian fellowship. Here he's, you know, going to be taking Onesimus back to Philemon, your, your master who knows the Lord. What, what's going to change now? What does this mean for my relationship with him? So Tychicus is not just relaying what Paul said. He's living out what Paul's talking about, the value of Christian fellowship and the character of Christian fellowship. But I'd like you to go back to Ephesians 6 because when you get to verses 23 and 24, uh, you have a, a closing benediction, a prayer. And again, since every part of Scripture is there for our teaching and encouragement and instruction, what does this prayer tell us? And I think it points to the improvement of Christian fellowship. In other words, that our fellowship is based on our union in Christ. We don't develop that. We didn't set the foundation for that. That is what happens in Christ. But is it possible that our Christian fellowship is deepened and strengthened only when we act in obedience to God? That that is our responsibility to now, in a sense, improve upon what Jesus Christ has established. And so you notice in this benediction, you have first uh, a listing of some spiritual realities that are ours in Christ. And so it says in verse 23, peace to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. And I want to point you first to these realities so notice the realities. You have peace. And I think Paul's probably using peace here in its broadest way. You have internal peace, like you're right with God. You have the peace of God. But I think he's also using it externally. You, you have peace now in Christ with one another through Christian fellowship. That you're not marked by division, divisiveness, backbiting as the church that you genuinely have a love and a concern for one another that is acted upon. It's not mere words, it's not mere lip service, but, but it's, it's modeled, it's lived out. But then he says, you have love. Certainly they love God. Tychicus loves God. But because Tychicus loves God, doesn't that explain why he loves Paul? Why he loves Onesimus? why he loves the people in his church that he's going to be returning to and serving God there. I mean, these are, these are spiritual realities that are ours in Christ, but I would argue what Paul's saying is part of the Christian life is now perfecting those and improving upon those, building upon those through obedience. Notice the third one is love with faith from God the Father. In other words, we have an assurance and a confidence in what the scriptures teach. So Tychicus left not just saying, here's Paul's letter, but saying, this is God's word through Paul to us. And the fact that it was to be circulated and passed to other churches would say, this is God's word. Paul wasn't just writing to you and to me. He's writing to all those in the body of Christ. And then finally, the fourth, he mentions grace. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ. 
this aspect that what we have received by faith is to be displayed through Christian fellowship. In other words, we have received the grace of God, forgiveness of sin. Doesn't that now explain why we forgive others within the body of Christ? It's because of what we have received. It's a reciprocal. This, this would be natural. We have been forgiven. We've received grace. So now Christian fellowship is marked by accountability, is marked by love, and is marked by grace, but also admonition. Because the reason Paul is saying this is he knows there is always the concern that one might start to neglect, to fall back on, not improve it, what has already been secured for us in Christ. You get to the last part of verse 24, and there's a little bit of uh, confusion here as to what Paul's referring to. So you notice in the NIV, it speaks of to love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. Uh, ESV puts it, to love the Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. And there's a difference here because the way the NIV reads, it seems to emphasize more our love for God, that our love should be an undying love. Where I think it would be better to translate this incorruptible love, not referring to our love for Christ, but this phrase qualifies the last phrase in that sentence, Jesus Christ. In other words, Jesus Christ is incorruptible. And wouldn't that explain why Christian fellowship should be valued, why the character should be such, why it should be improved upon, because Jesus Christ is incorruptible. That the source of that fellowship comes from the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, who are all incorruptible. And you see the balance here, if you just look at Ephesians 4, verse 3, where in Ephesians 4, 3, Paul says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. He's picking up on this thought. Christ has secured this relationship, but it is incumbent upon every believer to build upon that, to improve upon that. Because I want you to think for a moment, now we're all finished with the letter of Ephesians in one sense, but I hope we're not done thinking about what this letter has to say to us. In other words, as you focus on these final greetings, do you believe what Paul said, what Tychicus said, what Jesus said about Christian fellowship? Like, do you, do you really believe that? I think many of us would say, yes, we do believe that. I don't know if you do. I think we can believe the words, but if you look at this, the way that I know Paul believed this, the way that I know Tychicus believed this, he modeled this. He, he lived this out. He, he imitated it. Like there's no question they weren't just saying they believed in Christian fellowship. They lived Christian fellowship. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful that your word is always true. And I ask that these words in this entire letter would both encourage us, 
but also, Lord, convict some of us that there are times that we are not improving on what you have secured for us, uh, that we are neglecting uh, the development and the riches that come with being one in Christ and one with our brothers and sisters in Christ. We pray this to the glory of God. Amen.